Thank you, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you'd breathe on your word this morning, Lord, that eyes would be opened, ears would be opened, a heart will understand your encouragement today. In Jesus' name. If I didn't meet you this morning, I'm Brandy Hilton. Welcome to the garden. And uh, we have many traveling still. I hope everybody had a blessed Thanksgiving. We did. We feasted and then we feasted. And then we feasted. Hallelujah. <laughs> so um, today I've entitled this, um, The Signs of God. And he said this morning, don't get stuck. Be awestruck. Okay. The signs of God. Don't get stuck, but be awestruck. So I'm going to give you a few little questions to ponder here for a sec as we go. He wants to know what we are looking at and what we are looking for. What we are looking at and what we are looking for. What has our attention? Where are our eyes focused right now? What are we looking at and what are we looking for in life? Is it our true desire to know the Lord, to see him in our lives and the lives of those he places in our paths? Is it our true desire to know the Lord, that's always first and foremost, and to see him in our lives and the lives of those he places in our paths? He asks the question, what has tripped you up that has turned your hearts to be discouraged or downcast or even given over to hopelessness, doubt or unbelief, even hardness of heart. We know that's a part of life. We serve an almighty God who is always working his perfect will in our lives for his glory. That's truth. We serve an almighty God who is always working his perfect will in our lives. Do we have eyes to see and do we have a heart that understands this? We're to live a life of expectancy and faith, looking to the one who created us and saved us. It should be a lifestyle. The good news is that Jesus Christ is the one who has gone before us to open up the way to eternal life. He is what the Bible calls the breaker. He's the one who breaks open. So, looking at these questions, the signs of God, which we're going to talk about in a moment, he says, don't get stuck, but be awestruck. So, God wants believers to believe. <laughs> That's why we're called believers. Amen? And he wants us to know him and to expect his presence to manifest in our lives. We're to look for his glory. Every day, we need to always know and believe that he is always working his perfect will in our life. Always. Always. He never quits. He's faithful and true. Sometimes humans get out of the will of God. Correct? Sometimes we get out of the will of God, but he never changes. Okay? So, even if we get out of the will of God, he's always working to bring us back in alignment. He's always working to bring us back into his perfect will. And he is perfect. And I mean perfect. Okay? And it's all for his glory. Okay? He wants us to understand 
He wants us to see. He wants us to live a life of expectancy, not just on special moments. It should be our lifestyle. That's a life of faith. Always looking for the glory of God, the goodness of God to manifest, even when we walk through difficult times. Because what we know through, when we go through difficult times, he is working something that's so glorious that we don't usually figure out until you've come through. And sometimes it may take you years to look back and say, oh my God, he was with me all along. He was there. He was there. He was there. We're to live a life of expectancy and faith. At every opportunity, through one-on-one discipleship that I do, through ministry, through classes and all the training and equipping that we do, I always constantly undergird this so that God is calling us to see his glory, to expect him, to honor him, to know that when you gather in his name, he is there in your midst, that it's not just a class, it's not just a teaching, he is the word made manifest. So when you speak of the word, he is there. When you testify of the word, he is there. When you share the word with others, he is there. And he will reveal himself in that moment. He'll reveal himself. That's why he does. He watches over his word to perform it. Hallelujah. So we want to have one of expectancy, of faith, looking to the one who created us and saved us. You must always remember, we didn't just appear. <laughs> we have been created by the almighty God. Yes, for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. None of us are an accident. Every one of us have purpose. Every one of us have future. Every one of us have hope in God. Okay, so the good news is that Jesus Christ is the one who's gone before us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So he has opened the way to eternal life. But the key here is believing that eternal life starts now. Because if you believe in him, you have eternal life. Eternal life starts today. Our spirit man has already been born again and is one with Jesus Christ. We're seated with him in heavenly places already. Perfect in every way. Hallelujah. The soul is being sanctified. The mind, will, and emotion. The body is being transformed. And one day, we will get glorious new resurrected bodies. Amen. So, he's the one who breaks open. So, if you can, go to Micah chapter 2, verse 13. Micah, Old Testament prophet. I'm going to read it out of the New King James first. This is the quote. It says, the one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out. They will pass through the gate. They will go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out. They will pass through the gate, go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. The new living says, your leader will break out and lead you out of exile, out through the gates of the enemy cities, back to your own land. Your king will lead you. The Lord himself will guide you. Amazing. The one who breaks open, Jesus Christ, the one who's gone ahead of us to break open the way to eternal life. 
For the, the history of Israel, yes. For today, yes. He's still the one who goes before us and breaks open. He has broken open. He has given the way, the truth, and the life to us. And we're following him. The one who breaks open. So we talk about this in our classes that there's something called a breaker anointing. There's a real anointing, which is a burden removing, yoke destroying power that will destroy and crush to powder any yoke or hindrance or block or bondage or stronghold that is stopping you from going forward in God in Christ. The anointing destroys every yoke of bondage, sin, sickness, disease, all effects of sin. That's what annihilates sin in our lives to get us to turn, to repent, to change and go the way that he is going. He's the one who breaks open. That anointing is there to bring us through and not only that, but to literally burst out of the gates. We talk about this at rodeo time. We love to see <laughs> uh, all the livestock behind the pen, behind the gates. And when they open that up, what do they do? They break out. They break out. And those bulls, wowza. Like, get out of the way. Okay. All right. Awestruck. I've said this word before. Awestruck. Okay. He wants us to be awestruck. He said, don't get stuck. Anybody feel like they've ever been stuck in the mud? You just get stuck. Like, I'm good. There's really nothing bad. There's really nothing extraordinary going on. I just kind of feel like I'm stuck. I'm really not going forward. I'm not really going backwards. I may not even be going side to side. I just kind of feel like I'm just in limbo, just waiting. I'm just here. Anybody ever felt that? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, sis, don't get stuck, but be awestruck. He's drawing us back to look up because when you look upon his glorious face, that's how you get unstuck. It is a place of revival and renewing and genuine glory. Um, I'm quoting Bobby Connor here. He said this a couple years ago as the Lord talked to him. I say it over and over again. Okay, he says, Jesus said to him, I give you my permission to exaggerate what I'm about to do. Now, there was more to the prophetic word, but Jesus told him to the prophet, I give you my personal permission to exaggerate what I'm about to do. Oh, you just don't need to exaggerate now. Don't talk about God too much. Don't, don't glorify him too much. Because what if there's the stuck? What if it doesn't come out like we were expecting or what we thought was going to happen? But his word is faithful. Always go out and carry out what he was called to do. So that's that. Don't be stuck. Be awestruck. He says, I'm giving you my permission. Prophets, hear me. Okay? Exaggerate what I'm about to do. Right? Go above and beyond. Go ahead and outdream me. Go ahead and try to outthink me. Go ahead and, and try to limit me. <laughs> it's not going to work because God's always going to be glorified. So look at Ephesians chapter 3 out of the Amplified Classic, if you got it. Ephesians 3, verse 16. And I'm going to read this. This is wordy, so stay with me. Ephesians 3, verse 16, Amplified Classic. It says, 
This is the prayer from the Apostle Paul from the glory of the Lord. May he grant you out of his rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. What a good start. He's saying, may God, may God grant you out of his rich treasury of his glory, out of the riches of his glory. You understand? Would you be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in your inner man? May you be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in our inner man by the Holy Spirit who indwells our innermost being and even our personality. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 17, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all of the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? You see, that's just not linear, okay? There is length, height, width, depth. There's an explosion of glory inside of our spirits through the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will not ever limit us. It's the soul that limits him. He's trying to point to the glory that's inside of us. The one that is one spirit with the Lord. The one, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost lives inside of us. And there is no height, length, width. There's no block. There is no limit. Right? This is God, Holy Spirit. He is Lord. And he dwells in the believer. And the Lord is pointing to that glory inside of us to strengthen us, to see the mighty power within us, to be awestruck that God, Christ in me, the hope of glory, dwells in me, lives in me, moves with me. In him we live and move and have our being. That. Right? that you would have power and be strong. We we have to be strong in the Lord to even believe this. He said, well, I hadn't seen in my life. Well, we need to get saved. We need to get some deliverance. Or we need to get on our face. Or you need some fresh outpouring of Holy Ghost. Because this is truth. This is who he is. And because God's always working his perfect will in our lives, just you wait. Just you wait. Amen. Verse 19. He says that you may really come to know. I love that. That you'd really come to know. Practically, through experience, for yourself, the love of Christ. It's not enough for you to know what happened to sister or brother or pastor or the missionary. It's not enough. You've got to know for yourself that you may really come to know. Moms and dads can tell their sons and daughters what it's going to be like one day when they marry the spouse God has for them. Right? You can tell them about it all day long. But then one day, they're going to meet the one. And they're going to go, ah, now I know. Now I understand what you had planned for me. Yes? Those who are in waiting, be encouraged. Well, so it is with the Lord. 
We could talk about it all day, but there's this place that you may really come to know. And this is a place of don't get stuck where you are, but be awestruck. Get your spirit man up front and center to receive and expect God. Practically, through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ. The love of Christ, because that's it. It's like, isn't there more to the gospel? No, it's the love of Christ. <laughs> for God so loved the world. That's it. There's nothing greater than love. If you're tired of the love message, hallelujah. Okay, which far surpasses mere knowledge. And mere knowledge without experience. You can have a head full of head knowledge, but knowledge of God means you know, you believe, and you receive it. You're walking in it. You're experiencing it. That we would be filled through all of our being with all of the fullness of God. May have the richest measure of divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now, does that sound like we're just going to go to church? Or does that sound like that's who every saint is supposed to be? And when two or three saints get together, when your family loves God and serves God and honors God, the glory of God is going to fill your house. It's not dead works. And that's what religion and antichrist spirits and error have done to crush and remove the spirit of God and his power from the church. And that's why we labor, labor, labor so that the saints will be empowered and know Holy Ghost and be filled with him. Right? So that we would know his wonder-working power. To him who by in consequence of the action of his power that's at work within us, he is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. This is in verse 20. Far over and above all that we dare ask <laughs> or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, and thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Are you serious? God wants to flood us with himself. God wants to flood us with himself. Every day. You wake up in the morning, God, flood me, <laughs> fill me, consume me, take my thoughts, take my heart, use me today for your glory. Reveal yourself to me, morning by morning, day by day, night by night, in the night, in through the night, he's always there with us. He's doing so far away beyond what we could hope, think, or imagine. He's always working his perfect will for us. He is always speaking, and saints have to have an ear to recognize how he's speaking. He is always speaking. And, and unfortunately, many people think it's just a thus sit the Lord comment. No, it's the simplicity, the simplicity of life. He speaks all day long, 24-7, even while we sleep. He says the Lord watches over his beloved even in their sleep. And in the sleep, he gives dreams and visions. And in his sleep, he will bring manifestations of his glory. He'll give blueprints. He'll give instruction. He'll answer, whoa, questions that you've been asking. And you wake up and you go, I get it. I think that we're going to do this. And the Lord's like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Because it was the Lord who dropped seeds into your spirit and now you know what to do. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your schooling. Maybe it's some situation that's been difficult and you're stuck. But then all of a sudden the answer comes. Because the breaker went out before you. And he broke it open. And the anointing is there to give you the wisdom that you need. 
She said, I just don't know what to do in my future. I'm this far. I've come this far. But I don't know to go left or right. And the Lord will be there saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Walk in it. He says, don't look back. But give glory for the past. Listen to this. Verse 20. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power. His power is action. His power is not dormant. He's not asleep. He's awake and he's very much alive, yes? And he's very happy in heaven. He has more joy and more oil of gladness than anyone. He has a mantle of joy and gladness. He is the set apart one, Messiah, Christ. I'm quoting you Isaiah 61, right? This is who he is. He is not depressed. He's not being beaten or bruised anymore. He said it is finished. He is resurrected and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Even now, hallelujah. And yet he lives in us. It's amazing. To him who is able, he carries out his work, his purpose. He's going to do super abundantly. I like that word. He's going to do above and beyond. He's going to do super abundantly. God's wanting our spirit men to come up front and center to receive the super and abundantly. And they said, well, I believed for that once, but bam, it didn't work. And there's the stronghold. So as believers, we are always seeing him as super abundant, above and beyond. Anything we can hope, think, or imagine. Always. No matter the circumstance, that's how we see God. That's how we praise God. That's how we stand with God. That's it. Always. That's unmovable, unshakable. You hear it? Whew. His purpose, he's going to do super abundantly, far over and above everything we dare ask. So well, I don't know if I could ask for that. That just seems like a little extravagant. Ask, and you will receive. How are you going to receive if you don't ask? Just saying. He goes far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond. What was that cartoon? To eternity. What was it? To infinity and beyond. That was crazy. All right. He's going to do infinitely beyond our highest prayers. He's going to do infinitely beyond our highest prayers. Your spirit man should become an upfront sinner, and you can feel the faith. Right? He's going to do infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our desires, our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. And here's what religion does it crushes the hopes of the people of God. And it tells you don't dream, don't expect. Don't have faith. Don't believe to do the works of Christ. Who do you think you are? Right? Well, if you've got time, then we could tell exactly who we think we are. Right? Who we are in Christ. You see, he's shifting that mindset to break through, to break you open, to go out. He's the breaker. And he has anointing to do this. Because he's perfect in all his ways. Wow. And see, we get to teach our children this. You don't have to drag them through religion to get them into the glory. Well, I went through this for 40 years. So, bless God, you're going to go through it for 40 years. I'll be in glory, but I hope you get it. Because I didn't. I never saw the glory of God. I never saw any healing. I never saw any miracles. I never saw nothing. Hope you get it, kids. Who's hungry for that? But if the families of God are promoting God in Christ... And lifting up who he is and giving him glory every day of our life, every day of our life. You're the one at the table that turns a conversation to God. 
that can bring faith in, that can bring the word in. Let God do the work. Amen. 21, he said, to him be glory in the church, and that is the whole goal. In Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Man, that's pretty powerful. He will be glorified in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. It's all about his glory. So he brings in the words of the signs of God and how it works with don't get stuck but be awestruck. So listen to this about signs. This is nothing but a compilation of biblical definitions and understanding of biblical signs. Okay? A sign is a signal as a flag or a beacon or even a monument. A distinguishing mark, a banner, remembrance, a miraculous sign, a warning, a token, a pledge, assurance, an ensign, a standard, miracle or proof, omens promised by prophets as certain predicted events. An omen is anything perceived or happening that is believed to portend a good or evil event or circumstance in the future. Portent, an indication of something about to happen, especially something momentous. Prophetic significance. Wow. So you can think of a million scriptures and to hear more and read on signs. You can start in Genesis and go to Revelation and see how many scriptures you're going to find on sign and signs. That's a bunch. <laughs> My goodness. Some of you already hear the scriptures rolling in your head. And he will be a sign to you. <laughs> you see, oh my goodness, a signal, a flag. You know, when you go through war and they said this of our nation early on in some battle on the East Coast and they were looking through and through the, they wrote that national anthem, that flag song. What's it called? The national anthem. That's good. What's the name of it? The Star Spangled Banner. All right. So there's like, is it still there? They were looking up, and when they saw the flag still waving, they were looking for that sign, for the banner of the wave, that it's still there. And they fought day and night, night and day, to keep it from hitting the dirt. Right? Okay. That, it's that, that banner, that beacon, that monument, a distinguishing mark, a banner, a remembrance, a miraculous sign. Warnings, a token, a pledge. What sign will you give me? A standard, miracle proof. These things prophets promised. They predicted events of which have been true from Genesis all the way to Revelation and are still going to be fulfilled perfectly, as Jesus said. Every word of the prophets shall be fulfilled. Every word. Hallelujah. An indication of something about to happen. <laughs> You can got that feeling. You got that feeling. Something is just about to happen. You feel it. Right? Prophetic significance. So nowadays you could just do a list for your homework. Just because. Just for fun. Write down as many signs as you can think of. 
that God has given to you that you've seen in your lifetime. Just go ahead, have fun with that. Write it out. Well, I was alive and I saw a blood red moon, which is prophesied all through scripture. I saw that. I saw Israel become a nation in 1948, 1967. Wow. We weren't there during Jesus's birth, but we know through scripture <laughs> that this was a sign. All through it, just get out of the box and ask the Holy Ghost, show me. Show me the signs that you've been giving me. Oh, I just knew it was a sign, that bluebird on my back porch. Right? Because God talks to you through bluebirds. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be something supernatural, but it's all going to line up the word to make you awestruck. To keep you expectant and to have faith. And not to get boastful and prideful in yourself, but all glory to God. Signs are also a symbol of prophets. I'm going to read this out of Isaiah 8, verse 18. Isaiah 8, verse 18, the new King James, he said, Here I am and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. Go ahead, you can take it for yourself and the family. Okay. Signs are a symbol of prophets. Prophet Isaiah said, Here I am, here am I, and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders. Declare that over your home. Right? In Israel, from the Lord of hosts, who dwells in Mount Zion. Micah 3.8. Micah 3.8 says, But truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of justice and of might, to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. He knew his mission as a prophet. He said himself, I am that sign. Right? Truly, I am full of power and the spirit of the Lord, of justice and might. Of justice and might. Because that's where he's having to bring the truth to the people of God. To declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Of course, he's going to bring justice and might where there's willful sin and injustice. You get it? I am a sign. I am full of the spirit of the Lord and power. They always go together. Compare that to Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Listen to this. He said, the subtitle is the siege of Jerusalem portrayed. He says, you also, son of man... This is God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. You also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you and portray on it a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege against it. Build a siege wall against it and heap up a mound against it. Set camps against it also and place battering rams against it all around. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it and it shall be besieged and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. It's all through the scripture. And Ezekiel especially, bless his heart. He had a lot of things he had to do. He says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to literally get a clay and you're going to draw this out. And here's how you're going to sit apart and you're going to lay down and you're going to build a siege against it. And you're going to put a wall between you and that city. And you're going to see this thing besieged. It's like, this is amazing. He's literally, truly demonstrating practically the prophetic sign. 
right? <laughs> wow, son of man. <laughs> He's like, yes. Okay, okay. I think he laid on one side for how long? Huh? It's been a long time, dude. That man, he laid, he had it going on. But there was grace there. He himself was that sign. It's all through the scriptures. Signs, miracles are pledges or attestations of divine presence and interposition. Big word. Signs, miracles as pledges or attestations of divine presence and interposition. Attestations to bear witness to, to certify, to declare to be correct. These signs help us bear witness. They certify. They declare to be correct, true, genuine, to declare the truth of it in words or writing, especially to affirm in any official capacity, to attest the truth of a statement. To give proof or evidence of, to manifest a witness and a testimony. You thought, well, I just thought it was a sign out down the street at Walmart. Because <laughs> you know, you're looking for the sign to find Walmart. You're looking for the sign to find what store you're going to. Where's that sign when you're driving on the goofy highways of these huge cities? You're looking for a sign for your exit. And then when you pass it, you're like, oh, man. And you got to drive all the way around. I do that in my own city because I'm so caught up and awestruck and in my own world. I said, oh man, I missed my turn. Some of you have heard me say that. But you're looking for your sign, witness, testimony, statement of truth, proof, evidence. God is bringing signs 24-7. Oh, that's just for then. Well, occasional. Don't be looking for signs. Don't be looking for wonders. Don't look for the miracles. Honey, the Bible is that. The fact that we are alive and born again is a sign, miracle, and wonder. And we are reflecting that glory every day. Veils and veils and veils of unworthiness coming off. We are his witness. We're testifying of Jesus Christ. And that's how we overcome Satan. Revelation says we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony. Loving not our own lives, even unto that. That is a sign. We are a sign to the unbelievers. Like, why are you happy? <laughs> why did you overcome? How did you get that job? You've been going through it, and you still have a peace. Why? There's the testimony. I went through that surgery already, and you encourage others in it through your own witness and testimony. The story goes on and on. It's not just something that you do over there. It is so much a part of our life, but we don't recognize it. Signs always have a clear meaning, often giving information or instruction. Like, I know exactly what that means. I know exactly what that means in my life. So go to Mark 16. Mark 16, very common passage. Verse 14 through 20. This is the Great Commission. As recorded in Mark, Jesus commissioned his disciples, those who were following him, the born-again ones, and he's about to go back into heaven, and this is his commission. Verse 14, he said, later he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart, <laughs> because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. 
There it is. That's the battleground. They saw him crucified and slaughtered. And as he appeared him to others in the resurrection form, those came and ran up and told him, we've seen the Lord, he's alive. And they're like, well, we doubt that. Because we saw him. You understand? We saw him put in that grave, if you would. So you, that's just humanity. But God is invading humanity. And Jesus was the firstborn. He is the sign, is he not? Verse 15, he said to them, so go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They're going to tear down strongholds, set the captives free. Bind up the brokenhearted, heal all their wounds, right? They will speak with new tongues. That's praying in the spirit, your spirit man. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. They will speak with new tongues, pray in the spirit at all times, Jude said. They will take up serpents. Those are snakes. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In verse 19, he says, So then, after the Lord spoke to them, he was received up into heaven, and they saw him go. They saw him ascend up to heaven. Beloved, come on. Wow. 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 (laughs) And he sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and they preached everywhere. They're doing what he said, and it said, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So, even though he's been raised, he's at the right hand of God, the Lord is with us. The Spirit of Christ is with us. The Holy Ghost is with us. He's working with us. You're not sent out to do a mission. You're not sent out to do something in this life by yourself. He's working with us, right? He's working with me. He's not against me. He's above and beyond and way out there, right? So I'm not stuck. I'm awestruck that God is actually doing this in our life. The Lord is working with us and confirming his word through accompanying signs. The Lord confirmed his word with signs following So out of this passage alone, I just picked one. Five specific signs that will follow the believer. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay. So as they go in bringing this mission in this life, okay, and the people in this time, we're talking Desert 101. Serpents and scorpions were common, (laughs) right? Even in that, they're like, don't worry. No, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, right? It was tangible. He replied this again. He said this again. In Luke 10, 19, he says, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing by any means shall hurt you. Why did he say that? And what has some perverts done with this thing? Unfortunately, in the body of Christ, people come and they get buckets up here, right? Play with snakes? How dumb is that? That's, this is not that, beloved. This is when you're walking through life and anything the devil throws against you, 
right, to kill you, to steal from you, to destroy you. He says, I have given you authority to trample on them. That's authority. And it's all through church history that this really happened with serpents and scorpions. <laughs> God will provide supernatural protection and signs to authenticate the ministry and lives of believers. It's truth. Matthew 10, verse 7 through 8 says, as you go, preach. He said, this is what you're supposed to say in life. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where is it? At hand. The kingdom of heaven, where is it? Here. Where? Now. Woo! Right? Right there. So because you are born again from above, the kingdom of heaven is in your house and in your heart. Heal the sick. Cleanse those lepers. Raise the dead and cast out demons. That's his instruction. It still applies today. It wasn't just Bible times. Freely you have received and freely give. And that's still happening globally ever since Christ left. And it's increasing from generation to generation to those who will seek his face. Now go to Acts chapter 28. To amen. Don't get stuck, but be awestruck. And this is a story I want us to read. This is from Paul's ministry in Ireland called Malta. So he got to experience some of this. Most of you know this, but give attention. Verse 1, it says, Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. They're shipwrecked and they're on this island. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. Okay? They, they've got him figured out. They've got him pegged as a murderer, and, and then the evil one's after him to, dis, to destroy him. He's done something so wrong. He's cursed. That's what they're thinking. That's all they know. And in verse 5, he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Thus fulfilling Christ's words. Perfectly. He shook it off into the fire and suffered no harm. They say that this viper, he should have been dead in a matter of seconds because of the poison. And Satan knew that because this dude, wherever he goes, he's bringing that gospel. And that whole island's about to get blasted saved. You know what blasted saved means? That's saved. All right? <clears throat> So, this, so Satan is there to take out the minister immediately. Yes? Does not want revival coming to the island. <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> Verse 6. So however, they were expecting that he would just swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, well, you must be a god. <laughs> this is human. Humans, okay? Extremes. <clears throat> you must be a god. Because that's all they knew to do. They had to worship false gods, correct? Verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, laid his hands on him, and healed him. 
So when this was done, the rest of those on the island, check it out, the rest of those on the island, the rest of those on the island, what are they going to do? Hmm. The rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So they, they made some friends. And not only that, but they blessed them. Blessed coming in, blessed going out. And you think, so you think the shipwreck has landed you in a place that there's no hope, but yet the kingdom of heaven was there. You hear it? You hear it. You hear it. Don't get stuck. Be awestruck. Watch God always working his perfect will. We're called to believe. We're called to believe. The famous quote from John 20, verse 29, is when Jesus says to Thomas, who wouldn't believe unless he could put his fingers in the holes of his hands, remember, in his feet. This was Jesus' comment. John 20, 29. He said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Here we are, right? We believe the word by faith. We believe every story we're reading. Well, I don't know if that could really happen. How'd God put that rainbow in the sky? How could he just speak and it is? Huh? Okay? You put your faith in God. Verse 30 of John 20 says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in his name. Wow. These are written, still affects us to this day. Right? We weren't there, but he's here. And we believe that he is the Son of God. And he is going to manifest his life in us. In John 21, 25, he says, there are also many other things that Jesus did. And if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself couldn't contain the books that were written. What we have is inspired word of God, but there were so many things he did there. They're like, you know what? There's no way you could put it all in a book. But the living book lives forever and he's living in us. Amen. So let's stand up and let's receive what he's saying today. And uh, go there with the Lord. <laughs> And let him show you the sign of his presence in your life. Father, we thank you that you are always working for our good. You are with us. Your love never gives up, never gives in, never fails. And the greatest of these is love. Perfect your will in us, God. As we adhere to your signs, your miracles, your wonders. As we know and we're looking to and expecting God. Lord, manifest your glory. Show us your glory every day. We thank you for using us, blessing us, and keeping us. And may many souls be saved. We bless Israel as she herself is a sign to the entire world. We continue to pray that you bless her, keep her, and cause your face to shine upon her. That, Lord, you'll lift up your countenance towards her and give her peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, God bless you. If you need prayer, we'll pray for you. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.